this morning will be on page 1118, 1118 of the church Bibles. Real quick, to keep in your prayers this week, Linda is still not feeling well. She's having some stomach issues. Olga and Gabriel have got the cough and all that that's going around right now. Susan, bless her heart, she's struggling. But uh, she's going to get there. Lord help. And uh, we're going to continue to pray for Lee Martin as his surgery is upcoming early November. And for Joe's dad out in California, Martin. Thank you that the Lord will continue just to give all these strength uh, <clears throat> in these times that they need it. We're going to be reading um, out of chapter 7 of Matthew. These are obviously, you'll see these are red letters, so it's the words of, of Jesus. We're going to start in verse 15 and go through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Lord, help us know that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we bless you for the time together. We can come and give you all praise. And uh, what we do, we come before you and lift these up, Lord, that are hurting, that are not feeling well today, that needs um, a touch from you today. We pray you continue to strengthen these. And, uh, Lord, that they would know that you're with them, that you're Holy Spirit and your um, comfort and grace and healing are in these places with these folks uh, that we, we, are, we could call so dear. So, Father, we just, uh, again, this scripture is such a reminder that in the world we live in, we need your wisdom, and we need your guidance, and we pray, God, that you would continue to lead us with your spirit in all things of truth, and, Lord, help us always, always use you and your word and your precepts to keep us in that right place. So we bless you. We thank you for um, the time we have together today. I pray that your spirit would reign and would rule here, Lord, that uh, you would foresee everything um, uh, that was going to be said, and you would, uh, Lord, you would make it perfect in your will. And, Father, we also pray for wisdom in our, our state, in our country in these times we live in. Father, I pray, God, that you would uh, you appoint the leaders. We know that. We trust that. We continue, Lord, just to cry out that you would give grace and mercy and wisdom to our people that we live with in this, in this state and in this country. And uh, beyond that, Lord, we just trust you for everything. Uh, we thank you for this day. Uh, but Father, we just pray, God, you continue to guide us. Thank you for what you teach us. Pray, God, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would bring us today. In your holy and awesome name, we lift up Jesus. Amen.
presence known Move through your church in holy Yeah. 
Jesus Messiah. 
church, I need you to sing loud, okay? Because you believe this.
morning. <clears throat> well, I have a, um, a special message for us today, and um, I pray a powerful message will, uh, that you'll hear today as the Lord directs us to a call that each one of us um, may serve him in a manner that we might not have thought about. But um, today's message <clears throat> is a little different maybe than where we've been, but I want to preface this message by saying that this is not a political message today. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the opportunity that our city is having to become a sanctuary city for the unborn. And whereas that might seem like it would be a political-based message, I want you to hear me clearly, this is not a political-based message. This is a message that I think you will see and, and, uh, and take with you that this is a biblical message and a call to each one of us that we cannot be passive and we cannot remain silent on an issue. So I have made quite a few notes of things that God has shown me over the last few days, and um, so I want to stick to my notes in a lot of ways. <clears throat> so I want you to be reminded that our voting will take place on November the 8th, so just a little less than two weeks away. But early voting starts tomorrow. And I would encourage us to take advantage of that as God would lead, but to definitely plan on being a voice for him. So on the ballot this year is a proposed ordinance by which, if it's passed, will allow Abilene to become a sanctuary city for the unborn. And what that means is that abortion would be completely outlawed within the city limits of Abilene. Now, we know that today we exist in what would, might be called a post-Roe versus Wade status, where abortions are outlawed in the state of Texas. And the tr Texas trigger law and the Texas heartbeat law, or the Texas heartbeat act, I believe it's called, charges those who perform abortion would now be charged as a felony and punishable to life in prison. So because of where Texas stands with this tr Texas trigger law and the Texas heartbeat acts or act, this now is in place that throughout Texas, 
it is a felony to have any part in abortion. And it is punishable up to life imprisonment. And there are also some hefty um, charges, financial charges as well, possible. But I want to I want to say to you today that there is still a great division in our church about where we are. I mean, I'm sorry, not in our church. A great division in our state where we are in this matter. And because of that, the battle continues even in our state who has declared so strongly where we would stand. So you would seem like we are in a good place. But there are already cities that are trying to locate the loopholes that would deprioritize the status of these acts and statutes. Austin, Denton, El Paso are leading the pack on working on resolutions that would oppose the decisions of our state of Texas and minimize what the effects the cities would have to enforce these laws and these acts that have been passed. So there is a battle out there continuing, an uprising. <clears throat> so the proposed ordinance <clears throat> has taken a lot of flack. Some are behind it, some are against it. And some are saying <clears throat> that it's not necessary for Abilene to take this additional stand. But there have, in fact, already been several states, uh, several cities within our state that have already passed such ordinances to become a sanctuary city in the state of Texas. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe that the important place that we want to see this opportunity for our city is this ordinance would clearly state where the residence of Abilene stands. This would send a message not only out to those a part of our city, but it would send a message to those in the political realm that vote in a manner of what their constituents would hold to. So it would send a clear message of where we are. This <clears throat> ordinance, if passed, 
would immediately limit abortions completely I'm sorry, eliminate, would eliminate completely all abortions except for a situation where the mom, the birth mom, might be, her life might be threatened or endangered. All other abortions, all other abortions would be illegal in the city of Abilene. Some would say that they are pro-life and that they stand firm on the commitment as many people that want to have exceptions to this, to this statute, to this uh, ordinance. And they would want it to have exceptions particularly on things like incest or on rape. And they would want there to be, so they would be pro-life. You see, hear what I'm saying? They would be against abortion by their standards, but they would want to have an exception beyond just the life of the mother being an issue to have some other exceptions. So there is the first group of people that are against passing this ordinance. There are others that feel that the government already has too many places of control in our society, even though they might be pro-life. So they are standing in a place of saying, we agree, we just don't want the government in control of this. <clears throat> there are others that say it's coming against a woman's right to choose. And that the woman ought to have an opportunity to see if she wants to carry this baby or not. I did a little looking at some of the percentages, and I want to show you a slide that I believe we have up here. <clears throat> that kind of helps us to understand even some of these issues because I've had people talk to me and, and uh, heard different arguments out there. And the arguments are, you know, to these three situations. But I want you to notice that in this particular, uh, that you'll see that there's 0 .001 of the pregnancies resulting from an incest relationship. That means one out of every thousand 
has come to a place where they have that decision. Where the woman's life is endangered by the pregnancy is six and a half out of every thousand. It's not the major issues that we're seeing every day. A, a rape victim would be 0.08, so eight out of a thousand. The woman's health being physically threatened by the pregnancy, <clears throat> which seems to be a little bit different than the one that's endangered. This one was just uh, a more of a threatening place. This one at the top was more endangered. This one is 0.288. The woman's psychological health was threatened is 2.94. There was serious fetal admiralities interesting enough, was 0.666. But I want you to listen to this. Social and economic reasons were 6%, not 0.026. And no reason, it just, this is what they wanted, they just didn't want to have the baby at this point in time, was 92.3%. So these two together, these last two, where it's just not convenient for someone to have a child, comes to a little over 94, I'm sorry, 98%. 98% of the abortions is simply because it's inconvenience. It's not what I want to do. Recently, there was a letter that went around that was put out by a doctor here in town <clears throat> who claimed to be a Christian, who claimed to be pro-life, and yet was totally against this ordinance passing. And I read through all of her um, opposition to this place, and... It was interesting how it ended and settled with me because what I saw is she didn't like the way people would be telling the doctors particularly where the abortion could or could not be. She wanted the doctors to remain in control of that. And I hear that to some degree, and it almost seemed right to some degree that your doctor would have the final say on that. But I looked at all that she listed and all of the reasons that she said, and what I came to realize is that none of what she said had any biblical base at all. 
zero. Everything was what she felt like and what she thought and how it should be. <clears throat> to my disappointment, over the last few months, there has been a group of churches, large churches here in Abilene, that have come together against this sanctuary city ordinance. And I listened to their encouragement towards these places. And what I saw was, is that they were very open to people who were for the ordinance and people who were against the ordinance. They wanted to just bring everybody into unity, no matter where you stood on it. In fact, they went so far as saying and encouraging anyone who would listen to their reasoning for, for this um, idea of unity is that they wanted people to feel freedom to vote their conscience. That was an exact quote from the leaders of churches here in Abilene. No matter what your conscience is, we want to encourage you to vote your conscience. As I listened to the information put out by these pastors, again I realized there was no biblical reference or foundation to anything they said. And encouraging someone to vote your conscience does not necessarily <clears throat> in any way align with what God's word is. So I have prayerfully been considering this place for the last couple of weeks and troubled by what I have seen. And I believe with all my heart that God has called us to not only vote in a manner that would be reflective of his word, which we're going to look at in just a moment, but a place that we cannot be silent. We have to use our voice against the opposition that's out there. <clears throat> As I uh, have been thinking about this place and searching out this place for the last few weeks, One of the places that God just kept bringing to my heart is the scripture we're going to start with first. And it is in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1. It's on page 864. And as you're turning there, I want you to hear that what I believe 
is yes, I believe we're supposed to vote yes, that Abilene would stand as a sanctuary city. Not necessarily because of the, of the opposition that is against the Texas, not even because of some of the things that people feel might be a protective place for Abilene, but rather that it is a place and a voice where Abilene would stand in alignment with the Word of God. That's the reason I believe we should come to a place to vote strongly and make ourselves known. <clears throat> so Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 starts, says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, So the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah right here. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What I love about seeing this is there's a lot of people out there. There's some things in the Texas laws that say, you know, you can have an abortion up to six weeks. And there's a lot of different states out there that actually have different uh, dates and times of when abortions would be appropriate all the way up to almost birth because they talk about the difference between an embryo and a fetus and a baby. And it's interesting to me how these scientific terms have taken over. But when God looks at this, he sees the prenatal time, the, the same as he sees the postnatal time. He sees who you are. And I think it gives us some insight to that. So he starts in verse 5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So when people start deciding where a baby would actually be okay to abort that child, God says, I knew you before you were even there. I knew you. But he goes on and he says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. Not only did I know you, but I set you apart. What does that mean? Apart for his purpose. You see, I believe with all my heart what he is saying to Jeremiah, he is saying to each of us. He knew each of us, and he knows each child before it's even placed in the womb, and he has a purpose, his purpose, for that purpose, person to be set apart for his will, for his kingdom work, for his glory. Now, 
Then he says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You see, he has a plan that he will fulfill. Not only does he set you apart, not only does he set each baby apart for his purpose, but he ordains it to be so. He has a plan that he desires to be fulfilled. Now, do we each have a free will in that? Absolutely, we do. But God has a plan for your purpose and for each child's purpose. So to establish a time and say an abortion can be had up until this period in time does not work with me in this biblical understanding. Let's look at a couple of other places here. Let's look at Psalms 127. It's on page 713. The Lord helps us to understand his view of pregnancy here. He says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, some would argue with this, and they would say, if it is in a situation of incest or rape, or in a a situation where someone is mentally struggling with having to carry this child, or someone is you know, just uncomfortable with how it has changed their lifestyle. If someone has these issues, it doesn't say, then those are no longer from the Lord. It says, but children, all children, every baby, every child, a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Oh, if we would teach these young mothers these places, rather than you have an opportunity to choose whatever your body, how you want that to be. Oh, if we would say, the Lord has given this gift to you. Turn over to a few pages to 139 in Psalms, verse 13. Starting here, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Do we forget this so quickly? 
that God alone has formed the inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your body, they all were written. I'm sorry, in your body. In your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, yet when as yet there were none of them. I love this place where we see that God has his hand in the formation of every part. His hand is there. Turn with me back to uh, 22, Psalms 22, verse 9. It says, but you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while my mother's uh, on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you've been my God. Be not far from me, for, troubled is ne for trouble is near, and there is none to help. And the last one I want us to look at, well, not the last one, the next to the last one is in Isaiah 842. Oh, my goodness, I, help me. It's on page 842. It's Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, it's on page 842. <clears throat> Isaiah is writing this here. He says, Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And he made me a polished shaft, and in his quiver, he has hidden me. I see that the God, it, it has a plan. He has a purpose for each child. Now, the last two scriptures I want to draw you into because we see that God has a purpose, a plan as he's forming each child. Now, let's look at the place in Exodus 20. It's on page 84. place we're probably all very familiar with. 
And in what we would refer to as the Ten Commandments, verse 13 says, You shall not murder. Period. A few weeks ago, as this sanctuary city began to come to a to light, the Lord began to talk to me about these places, and He said, "I want you to see abortion as I see abortion." And He said, "Every time you say abortion, I want you to say murder." We have set, established a time that we can murder a child up to six weeks. That is the, the law in Texas. <clears throat> and whereas it does limit a lot of the abortions, it still is not in God's laws that way. Do you see that? It doesn't come in alignment with God's way. It comes in alignment with what man has determined would be okay. The sanctuary city would not allow that. It does not give us that freedom to pick and choose when we would choose to murder a child. Turn with me to one more scripture. It's on page 731. It's Proverbs 6. Verse 16 says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. And then he lists these things that are an abomination to him a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. I would find it difficult to believe that you could go out and find a pastor who would teach that these things are important, but that you can use your conscience to decide to what length. The hands that shed innocent blood. I was thinking about this place of, oh my goodness, and I've seen so many marches and people on TV talking about it's my body and my choice. 
It is not your body. It's the body of a baby. It has its own DNA. It has its own organs. It has its own brain. It has its own functions. It has its own purpose in God's plan, and it was formed by the Most High. It is not your body. I was thought about these places where people say, I should be able to do whatever I want with my body. <clears throat> we have laws in our nation that say you don't get to do that. Prostitution is against our laws. It's your body. But for the society betterment, even the world agrees that we have to have laws. Doing drugs to your body is illegal. It's your body. But we have laws. I dare say that any of you would be okay with people driving down the highway totally naked or coming to the grocery store without clothes on. Seatbelt laws, that's exactly right. We have all kinds of laws. But we have, as a church, remained silent because we have not taken action to truly stand behind what we believe. I mentioned to Daniel that I felt like I was preaching to the choir today because everybody I believe that's here today would be in agreement against these places of abortion. But what is concerning to me is maybe we're in agreement that we don't want these places to take place, but we haven't been vocal to talk to those who are closest to us to, to possibly help them to see they are coming against not an a ordinance, they are coming against God's laws and God's ways. And they are deceived. I thought about this many years ago. <clears throat> I was in my 20s, about 25-ish, somewhere around in there. And um, in 1973, when Roe v. Wade became law, and I was all for it. I am sad to say, but I want you to hear that I was deceived. I spoke boldly for this place because what I was told was that this was a time when LSD was rampant, and it was. I, I had lots of friends that were on LSD. And it was a terrible drug. 
and it was a difficult time. And thank you, Lord, for whatever reason, I never joined up with drugs. And I was never entrapped in that place. And I don't come in a place of a condemning heart. I come in a place of saying people are deceived. And so out of this destruction of this drug came a decision because lots of babies were being born that already were addicted to LSD. So now you had parents, mothers addicted to LSD that were giving birth to babies, and it was a difficult place. These babies were tormented and, and hurting even when they were born. They were in such agonizing places because they were addicted to a drug. And so what seemed to be the best solution was to abort these babies before they were born. To murder them. But we didn't use that term murder. And we talked about it being a fetus or an embryo before we talked about them being a baby. And we decided that, yes, it was best for the fetus to just be aborted. And it didn't place this horrible situation on the child. And it didn't place this expense and this difficult place on society to figure out what to do with these babies. So it was a decision of convenience. And I bought into it. It seemed right. It seemed like the best thing to do. But then a few years later, God began to change my heart. And, and he began to show me this was not how it's supposed to be. No one ever said this is against God's laws. No one ever came to a place of coming against what was happening in our country in a strong way. The church kept silent in 1973. And I believe with all of my heart that our nation has struggled with all kinds of darkness because of our decision to align with God's enemy in murdering thousands and thousands and millions of young babies that God had purpose for. Would it require that our churches would take a stand? Yes, it would. Would it require that we might have to be <clears throat> inconvenienced in how we help difficult situations for these babies to be born and to have healthy lives? Would it require that we might have to step in? Yes, it might. 
But you see, all of the questions that come and say, well, what about this and what about this and what about something else? The answer should be, we will ask God. But that is not the answer. Man has chosen to find their own way to work with these problems. So over the next few days, Abilene has an opportunity to align with God's truth. So when you hear people saying, well, I'm opposed to it because I don't think it's written exactly as it ought to be, because, you know, it may allow some lawsuits to happen. Or it may cause doctors to not feel like they're as in charge as they should be. Or it may inconvenient some people. My answer has to be, I have to align with God's truth. End of story. And I believe that if we make a decision to do that, he will guide us into the solutions that we need. So as I said in the beginning, this is not a political matter. This is a biblical truth. I pray that as you go to vote, I pray that you would look up the people that are on the ballot. You can find it online. And I pray that you would look to see whoever you're voting for, whether it's a justice or um, a representative or a senate or whatever you're voting for, and you would look to see what their stand is on abortion. And I pray that not only would we vote yes, for this ordinance, for Abilene to become a sanctuary city, but that every vote that we make in our lifetime would be directed to be in alignment with the Lord's ways. Thank you. Open the blind 
Yeah. 